You're listening to the Contract Heroes Podcasts, your one-stop shop for all things contract management. And now here are your hosts, Mark and Pepe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Contract Heroes Podcast. We have our second session here at the World CC America Summit, and we have a special guest. She's Laurie Ehrlich. Uh, she's a Chief Commercial Counsel at Datadoc. So this is going to be a fun one. Welcome to the show, Laurie. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we, before we jump with the contract questions, let's talk about Datadog. What's all about Datadog? What does the company do? We're a cloud monitoring solution. Okay. So we are the company. So I usually use it as an example. Remember in the movies, every time you have some dangerous mission and people are in this computer room with lots of you know, servers and lights that are red and orange and yellow, and, and that tells them, are things working right or not working? Yeah. But once we move to the cloud, you can't do that anymore. There are no lights that are shining for you to know, is your server at capacity? How's it running? And so what we do is we provide that visibility. So companies know how their tech stack is working, whether it's working right, whether it's not working, where there are hiccups, where there aren't hiccups, and they can help companies to just move everything faster and fix anything that's broken. You know, what is your role specifically in the organization? So as chief commercial counsel, I'm responsible for all of our inbound and outbound contracting. Well, now let's go to the contract question. So what have you seen that are like the, you know, like maybe one of the most common pain points in, in this industry, talking about like contract wise? I think it's education. Education. Yep. I think it's making sure that everybody actually understands what we're contracting about. So does my customer and not the, not the business stakeholder, but the legal or procurement person on the other side understand what it is that they are buying? I mean, I got an evaluation of the agreement the other day that said, you can, we'll allow you to, our, our internal stakeholders to test your solution, but they can't connect it to anything. Well, our solution can't work if it's not connected to things. We ingest data from your systems. That is how we work. So this lack, that, that lack of understanding really makes it impossible to close the contract when the parties aren't coming from the same position. I had a similar thing on my side. My team didn't understand what we were buying. We're working on a, getting a tool that helps people who are visually impaired to understand the text on the screen. And we thought that it was a SaaS solution, but it's not a SaaS solution. It's actually something that you download onto your computer. So there were all these clauses in the contract about, you know, the right to the data that goes into their website. But that was irrelevant because this data wasn't going into their website. It took us two extra weeks to close the contract because my team didn't understand that it was something that was happening on someone's individual computer, and none of our data was going to the vendor. Wow, that's a, I mean, when you talk about it, it sounds like very clear, but I would think about like, how do you put that in the contract? <laughs> it's not, that, it's that, even before the contract. It's not about the text in the contract. Yeah. It's understanding, and that's so hard because the business stakeholders know what they're buying, but it's hard to fill out questionnaires. Like when you do intake, yeah. and you have to ask questions, you have to find a common parlance that your business people will understand so they can answer the questions correctly. And a lot of times when they don't, you have that knowledge gap or when you don't bother having the conversation, you really need to have the conversation. And what we tell our sales team all the time for our, our complex enterprise deals is if you do not have a strong champion that can translate for their legal and procurement teams what they are buying, you will not be able to close this deal because the legal and procurement teams and large bureaucracies are following the rules. And if the rules don't work for what you're selling, you cannot close the contract without the champion explaining why exceptions are needed. And, and how do you go about 
I guess, enabling the team or training the team to try to bring those people into the conversation sooner than later or hopefully at some point? So we have a couple of things. So one, we have a contracting FAQ on our website and it's actually attached to our standard form contract that explains what our business is so that the procurement or legal person receiving the contract understands in more like not business speak, but in legal procurement speak, what it is that they're buying. So many legalese. Exactly. We don't use legalese. It's, we try to make it easy to understand, but it's, but it's, uh, and we've actually now translated it into multiple languages so that not just our U.S. stakeholders, but our, you know, our, our APAC stakeholders and EMEA stakeholders and LATAM stakeholders also can understand it. And then uh, um, I have told my team that they cannot ex- reject any customer changes to our contracts without putting an explanatory comment. And we have our playbook guidance includes pre-written comments to explain. And the explanations are not the, no, we can't accept this. It's, this is how our business works. It's stating the actual operational reality behind our business. How long did it take to build that playbook? So it's funny. It's the, when I joined, there was like our standard form and a couple of like fallback clauses written into the standard form. I was like, no, 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 this doesn't help. Like no one can learn from this. It's not scalable. And so it was my first project, but it took me six months to learn the business well enough to write it. And then I wrote it down in kind of like a quick and dirty in about two months, but it's being built out every single day. It is not a, it's a live document. My team members, every time they hit something new, we have a Slack channel for contract escalations. They escalate in that contract and then that data gets put into the playbook. So the next time someone encounters that, they can make that change as well and know what the position is and know the reasoning behind it. Like it's the, the Slack channel is not like yes or no. It's an explanation of like, why is this okay? Or why is it not okay? Or what specific con- comments can we give to the customer or the vendor in this case? Wow. And wow. <laughs> you made me think a lot of here. And I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about like, what would be like some of the, you know, like the pain points from some of your stakeholders. You, you, you just told us that you work with, uh, with the buy side and from the sell side. From the sell side, what would you think is like one like bottleneck in the process? Like the uh, common one. It's definitely, I mean, most of our contracts close in two weeks or less. Okay. It's the ones that are, you know, we have an old brick and mortar company that has decided to take their old on-prem agreement and their old professional services agreement and combine them and say, hey, here's our SaaS contract where you have all these clauses that just don't make sense for a multi-tenant SaaS engagement. And educating those customers takes the longest. I mean, we've had contracts with those customers of that nature they have taken three years, two years, one year, but, but most of them are a minimum of six months to negotiate because we're coming from such different points of view mm. on what it is they're buying and what, and what we can do as a company. Yeah. That takes back to the education part. Yeah. I mean, I've literally spent a couple of hours negotiating why I can't include language in a contract that says I'm going to provide an on-prem solution when I don't offer an on-prem solution. And that shouldn't take any time. Like, that should be just be done like this. No, I don't sell that. End of story. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean. But it's not. There are, you know, we need our custom security terms. But I'm a multi-tenant platform. I can't do custom security terms. I can only give you the security that my platform offers. Yeah, of course. And what about the procurement side? Like, can you give us an, an example of, I don't know, some of your biggest vendors or suppliers? Uh, well, you know, the biggest ones don't actually negotiate at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have to get comfortable with the risks. So we're we're really still at our beginning of our journey on making our vendor side stronger. And what we're working on right now is heat mapping our contracts. So I, it's hard to do playbooks. You are usually on your vendor forms. We have our forms. We've set up our forms. 
Sometimes they get accepted. That's great. Those can move quickly. But the ones that don't get accepted, my team needs to understand what matters. And we don't all start. Like, I mean, I, I did my first lease the other day. I don't know what matters in a lease agreement. I had never done a lease agreement. I mean, I've done my own personal lease agreements, but I had not done one for a company. And so I'm learning this process. And so I'm working with outside counsel and I'm working with my in-house real estate team who are really experts. And we're starting a playbook. We're starting to identify what matters to us as a company. What matters in different regions is not the same because there are, there are really regional nuances in lease agreements. And so we're learning it together. And that happens all the time. We get all kinds of contracts that my team is completely unfamiliar with. So how do you quickly understand what matters in the contract? And it's really about having detailed conversations with the business stakeholder. What matters to you? What would make this a success? And asking them the right questions so that you can then negotiate the contract. It's also understanding that you don't need perfect contracts. Most contract disputes don't happen in court. I mean, there's you risk need, that you can right. assume always. That's right. You don't need to cross your T's and dot every I. You just need to address what actually matters. And so we're make, doing these maps where you have the, and this is what I'm talking about actually, the contract corner tomorrow, is kind of understanding not what terms in the contract are risky, but what the actual risks of the engagement are. Is the actual risk, right? Indemnity is not an actual risk in an engagement. Being sued by somebody is an actual risk in the engagement. And so what are the risks? How can they be mitigated? And some of those mitigations are not in the contract. Some of the mitigation is, you know, actually having someone who's responsible for the engagement. If you have a dedicated person, you can mitigate some of the risks. Sometimes it's, it's you know, having the ability to get out of the contract is the most important. So you have really have to understand for each type of contract what the actual risks are and how you can mitigate them and make sure you don't waste time negotiating things that don't actually matter to the company. And, and how are you handling this heat mapping? Are you doing this manually? Are you using technology to help with this? What, what does that look like? Right now we're doing it manually. And then where I'd like to get to is use technology to automate some of it. So I'd like to figure out like, what is our heat map? What matters to us? And then put those principles into a CLM and have the CLM read a contract based on this heat mapped playbook essentially, and then tell me what I should pay attention to in the contract. So we don't have to read every single line of the contract. I don't know that like I have to, I'm not at a point where I yet trust the CLM to correctly do that because we had demos from multiple CLMs and there's not a single one that in the demo didn't misalign a clause. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a very uh, tailor-made uh, uh, configuration. But I mean, it's, it's, it still works. You, you can do like some closed libraries and then just... I think put, like, my, we're going to start with the NDAs because so yeah. we use one NDA. We've adopted one NDA six months ago. I think every company in the world should adopt one NDA or any other standard form NDAs. Let's stop having custom NDAs. But sometimes we have to negotiate them because they're a customer form and the customer's insistent. And I'm telling my team, like, please stop marking up NDAs. There are six things that you don't need that shouldn't be in an NDA. If those things aren't there, like there shouldn't be a non-compete, there shouldn't be a non-solicit, there shouldn't be on-prem audit rights, <laughs> right? Those things don't belong. And I think if I can get a system that can just flag, are these six things in the NDA? And if they're not there, it just goes to print and doesn't need a legal review, mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm going to start. Because yeah. if, yeah, you know, it, it's harder to screw that up. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, I mean, that's, that's a great place to start. And I think that technology is at the point where it can do that right yes. now. Um, and, I, and I think it's obviously still evolving and, and the more complex contracts are going to be something that AI can assist with. But right now, it, it's, it's great to start with, you know, the, your, your more standard contracts and, and get comfortable with the system, get the team to know how to use it, and, and then continue to build on top of that. Completely agree. Education. 
education. education. Exactly. No, and, and, and you know what? I mean, we've been talking this uh, for, uh, I don't know, some, uh, some of, of our most recent episodes. And we think like the change management part is like, it's not that they don't understand, but maybe they don't put enough attention because, I mean, they can spend all the money you want with the perfect consulting team, with the perfect vendor if there's one, right? But the thing is like, once you you go and go live and the users start using the the system, I mean, the adoption part, that's the where, you know, it's like the marriage starts. <laughs> so I try to do two things. I try not to change things for the organization as a whole. Yeah. I try to change things for, for my team in a way that benefits everybody in the organization. So if we want to do something different on the sales intake, for example, I think, well, how can I do it in a way that's actually invisible for sales or that they, you know, like, so for example, we won't negotiate deals under a certain threshold, like any other SaaS company out there. And that used to be a manual approval process in Chatter and Salesforce, which was ridiculous. I automated that process. And now the people who used to get chattered now, you know, get an alert and have to hit approve. That is change. But it's a change that makes their lives better. It is easier to do than it was before. Right. And that, to me, is the secret. Like the, um, the, the keynote that we had earlier today about quick wins. For adoption, you need quick wins. You need to find a way to get people to make it easier for them. And if you make it easier for them, they'll come with you on that journey. And then with my team, I just... I always talk about the vision, like, where are we going? What's the future going to hold and get them excited? So, and then I, and they're not like, it's not me driving it. They're now coming to me and saying, well, what if we did this? And what if we did that? I'm like, yes, yes, let's do it. But let's prioritize. <laughs> what about what, what would be like one of your biggest lessons there in change management? Like something that you know now, and maybe you will wish to know like a couple of years before. I think my two biggest challenges are trying to do too much that if you try to boil the ocean, you won't actually get anything done. And so prioritizing and then making sure that you have enough resources to actually do it and the right resources that, you know, it, you can't, you can't implement CLM all by yourself. <laughs> you need <laughs> other can. people to be part of it. <laughs> right. And what about like, can you give us like some tips on how, how you've been training your team? Like do you have like regular sessions where you, I don't know, have like, bullet points or what are, what are you going to discuss or you see like, I don't know, like your most recent close deals, like what are, you, what are their uh, learnings from, from those deals or, or how does that work? So there's different types of education. Okay. So education on particular contract points usually comes in the form of exchanges on Slack as people put things in the ex contract escalation Slack and everyone kind of learns from that. Plus, all of those learnings go into the playbook. So even if they don't remember it, when they go to the playbook, they're like, oh, yeah, this is why this is here. This is why it matters to the organization. The other thing that we're working on is, is really enhancing negotiation skills. And so I've done two things. One, all customer paper contracts I require four eyes on. No, no single person by themselves review it because you can, as a more junior person, you can learn something from reading someone else's markups. And as a more senior person, you have to go through those so many times. It's easy. And they're so not right round peg square hole issue that it, that you really having a second person look at it and make sure that like the big things are all captured and addressed is really valuable, but it's a, it's good education for both parties. And then, um, I, we we're stumbling a little bit on this because it's hard with calendars and remembering, but I'm trying to get people to invite each other to negotiation calls. So having a buddy for the quarter and you invite your buddy 
to your calls for that quarter or you have a buddy on a particular deal because everyone has slightly different negotiation styles and you can really learn when you, when you negotiate the same issues, hearing somebody else negotiate that issue in their way, you have an opportunity to learn or learn from the style. And then some things we do, I do a lot of, I call it my navel gazing work with my team and trying to help them learn about themselves so that they can get the career that they want. So really understand like, what is your genius? What, where, what type of work do you do that you hit that state of flow and that you want to grow and you want to keep working and what don't you like? And let's get that stuff off your plate. And so we do a lot of that introspective learning together and, and individually. For what you're telling us, I mean, it sounds like you're trying to make this commercial team's self-service as possible, right? Like, so the legal team doesn't need to get involved in all of their contracts, right? Oh, so, so, so I do want to do that. We're not doing that yet. So we have, my goal is to have a version of our playbook that's exposed to sales that doesn't include everything. They don't need to know how far we'll go on limitation of liability, for example, but it has the, those grounding comments that explain what our business does and have them be able to do, not customer paper, but have them be able to do a simple markup of our paper applying those principles. The other thing that we're working on is kind of having um, the, like we have four clauses that we'll always accept certain changes to. Like we have a default clause that we can use customer logos. If the customer doesn't want to use that, we will still sign the contract. It's okay. <laughs> and so allowing them to self-help just on those four that we're always willing to change. Um, but I'm still toying with like how to do that so they just don't always give it. So we have to put metrics around around it so it's, it's not like this salesperson gives all the time on those same four points because that's not, that's not really healthy. That won't be good for our business as a whole, even though it doesn't matter on a single contract. It matters on the volume of contracts. And then on the vendor side, we have done a couple of things. So we've identified a category of contracts that we don't really care that much about. You know, like the restaurant reservation for 10 people it's not going to sink our business in any way, shape, or form. So we have a checklist for our business stakeholders to just say, you know, this is, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. And if it is, then they can go ahead with the, to execution without having legal review. And some of that we do with procurement. So procurement is obviously a more sophisticated partner than, than the business stakeholder. And mm -hmm. so there's a category of contracts that we've said to procurement, okay, these you can follow our playbook and do yourself and only come to us if there's something that's not addressed by the playbook. That's great. I mean, it's it's all part of that journey, right? And continuing to grow. And it, it's great that you're enabling your team to to focus on the things that they want to focus on, and and breaking that work up into places that maybe if it's something that somebody one person doesn't like, it's something that you know somebody else enjoys. That's what I tell them all the time. <laughs> I hate filling in forms. Other people find it very peaceful. Yeah. Well, that's great. Hey. Well, thank you, Laurie, so much for joining us. This has been a, a great conversation. We hope you have a blast at the conference. Thank and you. thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Contract Heroes. Thank you so much. This episode of the Contract Heroes is sponsored by Coho Consulting. Coho helps organizations of all shapes and sizes find, implement, and manage their chosen CLM tool. Whether your project is buy or sell side led, Coho can help you navigate the waters of the CLM space to make sure that you're getting a product that's going to fit like a glove for years to come. If you'd like to learn more about Coho, visit their website at kohoconsulting.com. Oh,